You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. This looks pretty nice here, actually. You know, I think in the, the years that I have preached and taught from here, I don't think I've ever done it from a couch. This will work. Maybe we could do this each Sunday. We'll run that past the preaching team, see what they, see what they think. But you know, this, this couch and really this, this setting reminds me of something that took place just earlier this week in, in my family. Um, there was a knock on the door, which this time of year isn't a real surprise, right? We've had knocks on our door for several weeks from UPS, from FedEx, tis the season for Amazon Prime, right? We've also had some neighbors that have knocked on our doors and we in turn have, have knocked on theirs, but this was a knock at the door that we weren't expecting about three, four days ago. My wife Jamie and I and our oldest daughter, uh, Kiana, were, were home together and so, and I was sitting on the couch, not unlike this. So there's this knock on the door, so I get up and I, and I go to the door and I answer it, and it's neighbors. And we'll call them Stephen and Karen. Here's Stephen and Karen standing before us. And what's significant about this is that we hadn't seen them in three years. They had been our neighbors, but they had moved away. They actually moved to Vancouver and Stephen had headed off to, to college. And so we hadn't seen them for three years, and here they are. And they said, hey, we just, we were visiting friends. We were in the area. We wanted to see if you guys had some time. And we said, absolutely, come on in. So we sat down and began to talk with them. And there was something different, tangibly different about both of them, just as soon as we began to have some time to interact with them. And then Stephen goes on to tell us that about a year and a half ago, he chose to receive Jesus as his, as his Lord and Savior. And we were just so blessed by that because for many years, as, as Stephen grew up in our neighborhood, he was really the only kid in our neighborhood that was a similar age to any of our kids. So he and our son Kylan spent a lot of time together, you know, had sleepovers, did all sorts of stuff. Stephen sp had spent a lot of time in our house for many years. He came here to Grace. He sat in a Christmas Eve services not unlike this for several years prior. And now he was sitting before us with truly this joy, this happiness that we really hadn't seen in him before. And then things shifted to Karen. And what you have to appreciate about Karen is Karen is ethnic Chinese, and by her own admission, she said, you know, I'm just, I'm reserved, and I, you know, don't show a lot of emotion, and she's, but she's always been very kind. She's a very kind person, but never a lot of words. But from the point she walked through our door, she has this smile on her face. I was like, Karen, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and it's just quite the opposite. What's, what's right with you? She said that in this last year and a half, as Stephen has called her from college, and when he's gone home, he's talked with her about Jesus and about what Jesus means to him and how Jesus is changing and has changed his life. And so Karen also chose to receive Jesus into her life. And today, maybe even right now, She's being baptized at a Chinese church over in Vancouver. And it was remarkable. And they came to spend some time with us, to thank us for, in their words, planting the seeds of 
what had happened in their life from the time we'd spent together, from loving them, from trying to be examples of Jesus to them. It was, it was just such an enormous, profound blessing for them to come back and say, this is what this has meant to us, and our lives have changed. Now, I know that in a gathering this size, and I know a number of you are our guests, there are probably a spectrum of beliefs about the Christmas story that we've been reading together and singing together and hearing about together. And oftentimes, this story is presented as a fable or a fairy tale or a fantasy by our culture. But just for the sake of what we've been singing about and experiencing here this morning, I would ask you, even if you don't believe this, just for our time here this morning to assume this really is true, that this isn't just a bedtime story or a fantasy or whatever, but that this is history. This really did happen. So if the Christmas story really did happen, then how does it go from being a story to a reality in your life and mine? What difference does it really make? What does it really mean that Jesus is the source of everlasting joy? Well, the answer to these questions are actually found within the Christmas story itself. So let's return to this passage that Josh and Hillel read to us and that we've been singing about through our time together. Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. These names that you see here matter. Do you know what your name means? Do you realize, do you appreciate that every name is derived from something? And especially in that culture, in the first century, and even in all of scripture, names mean something, they have significance, they say something about your character, about the essence that makes you you, they refer to qualities about you. For instance, my name is Jay, and it comes from the word for blue jay. Now, when you think of blue jays, what do you think of? Well, unfortunately, they're obnoxious. They steal food. They won't shut up. They squawk like crazy. I have two sisters who would have told you growing up with me, my name fit me. That was, that was exactly what I was like. But names matter. But actually, these aren't just names for Jesus. They're titles. I mean, even Jesus isn't just a first name. It means God saves. And this is a title that is given to Jesus, Savior. So what does he save us from? Why do we need a Savior? Well, this goes back all the way to the start of human history. All the way back to our ancestors, Adam and Eve, who, when God created the world and created this amazing garden where they were, they were in right relationship with him, right relationship with each other, right relationship with self, right relationship with land. And then this consultant came along, this life coach by the name of Satan, 
who said, you don't need to follow God. You don't need to trust God. You determine what's right and wrong. You determine what's good and bad. You need to take charge of your life. And so they did. They disobeyed God. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And many of you know this reality and you know this story. And then sin entered the world. And death and decay and disease. Brokenness. This is a broken world. There isn't a new cycle that goes by that doesn't remind us of this reality. We are broken people living in a broken world. And in our brokenness, in what the Bible calls sin, left to our own, we can be pretty selfish, self-focused, self-absorbed people. And oftentimes we will seek our happiness at the expense of others. And since we're talking about joy and happiness, one of the ways this brokenness manifests itself is we look for joy and happiness, lasting joy and happiness, in things that will never deliver that. For instance, let's think about Christmas. Do you have traditions in your family? Josh was talking about some of the traditions in theirs. We have traditions. One of our traditions is we sleep under the Christmas tree every Christmas Eve. Tonight, we will sleep under the Christmas tree. Tomorrow, I will wake up with a sore neck, a little sleep, and we'll love that we did it, right? One of our traditions is, is food, like Josh was talking about. We eat well, too. No problems there for me. We will have fondue tonight, and we try not to eat it all year so that we can make it special on Christmas Eve. Jamie makes this amazing fondue. And by the way, do you realize that the average American between Halloween and New Year's will gain seven to 10 pounds? Merry Christmas. I'm well on my way, and I will join you in the gym in January. But that being said, that is a tradition that we look forward to. And for many of you, your traditions are to be with family or to be with friends or to be with people you love. And some of you are making your rounds, have already made your rounds. Tomorrow you'll make your rounds. Maybe later on next week you'll be making your rounds to get around to everybody. And inevitably as a pastor, what I often hear after Christmas is how you go into those occasions hoping that they're gonna be a certain way. You hope that, by way of example, all the adults are gonna behave, no one's gonna punch buttons, no one's going to you know, do things that shouldn't be done or say things that shouldn't be said, and you, know, you hope the kids that will appreciate their presence and be thankful and grateful, and they'll rise up and say, bless you for giving this to me. And you know, We have these <laughs> expectations, and so often they're not met. Now, some of you are thinking, who invited the Grinch to preach on Christmas Eve? Thank you very much. So glad I came to hear that. But the reality is you and I, in our brokenness, will look to things that do provide temporary joy and happiness, but will settle for those being our lasting joy and happiness. And we will expect something from them that they will never deliver for us. Yes, Enjoy those things that bring you happiness and joy, but there is a source of lasting, sustaining, life-changing joy that is only found in Jesus. It is a joy that transcends relationships. It transcends circumstances. It rises above whatever health difficulties you have, whatever pain or hurt you have in your life, and some of you do, many of you do, I, I do. Because Christmas at times can be a reminder of loss. You look around and you're reminded of who is not there, who used to be there. 
Four years ago this month, my oldest sister passed away on December 4th. And I miss her. There's not a day that goes by I don't miss her. And I especially miss her this month. There are times it's profoundly painful that, that she's no longer here. And yet I have a joy. I can honestly tell you, I have a joy that transcends that, that rises above that. And this is one of the reasons why. It's this next name for Jesus, that he is the Messiah. That word means the anointed one, the chosen one, the promised one. Because if you were to distill the Bible, all of the Bible down to one word, it would be redemption. That is the story of the Bible. We broke this world and God is actively in the process of fixing it and restoring it and redeeming it and renewing it and repairing it to what he always intended it to be. And for thousands of years, people waited for the Messiah, longed for the Messiah to come and he did 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ, this same God who promised the Messiah and delivered him is the same God who is going to come back and finally, ultimately restore and renew and redeem everything to what it's always been intended to be. Which means this God always keeps his promises. Why can you and I have a joy even in the face of loss and pain and heartache and difficulty? This God always always keeps his promises, which tangibly, practically means as bad as things may get here, they're gonna get better, if not in this life, in the life to come, for those who believe and know Jesus. And as good as this life is, it will get even better for those who know and believe in Jesus because he is the Lord, which is another way of saying he is God. Jesus is not a prophet. He doesn't tell us how to get to God. He is God who has come to us. And that so matters because this world is broken and it needs to be fixed. And we are broken people and we need hope. And this broken world will tell us that the source of our hope the source of what will ultimately repair and make things better is education. If we just educate people enough, that's gonna solve our problems. Or we turn to politics. If we just get the right people in power, our people, whoever those are, you know, this is gonna fix things. Or if we just leverage enough resources, if we just allocate enough resources in the right ways, we're gonna take care of the brokenness of this world. Or religion promises to fix this broken world. But as Karen discovered, who was a Buddhist, religion does not fix brokenness. You see, all those things have one thing in common, and it's this. They all try to change us from the outside in. What makes Christianity distinctly different from every other worldview and every other religion, and what we celebrate here this morning, is that God comes to us. He changes us from the inside out by coming into our lives and beginning to restore and renew and repair us to what he always intended us to be, and with him he brings great joy. That is the message of Christmas. So the real issue, the real question isn't, is the Christmas story true? 
the real question is, how will you and I respond to it? How did people that night, some 2,000 years ago, respond to Jesus' birth? The passage goes on to tell us, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. A variety of responses there. It says that some people were amazed when the shepherds came and told them what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had experienced. You ever been amazed before? Of course you have probably multiple times in your life. You know, there was an amazing thing that happened for most of us this last year. I was just thinking over the course of this year, do you realize that many of us got to experience a once-in-a-lifetime experience with the total solar eclipse that took place? Do you remember where you were when that happened? Where you were taking that in? We were at the Evergreen Aviation Museum with like 30,000 people. I mean, there were tens of thousands. It was huge. Just tons of people everywhere. And I'll never forget when the... When the um, when it went dark and the birds started, you know, freaking out and roosters started crowing and it was just like what, how they described it would be, people applauded. They were like, yeah. And then when the sun came back out, they applauded again. And there was a part of it was thinking, did you not think it, the sun was going to come back? What do you, what do you? What they didn't know is they were worshiping. They were giving God a huge applause for what he's created, what he's set in motion, what he's, what he's done. And it was amazing. But honestly, it hasn't changed my life. Did the Toller Solar Eclipse change your life on a daily basis? Well, probably not. It didn't for me. Is it possible to be amazed by something and for it not to change you? Absolutely. Do we know that those who were amazed were changed by what they heard, what they saw? We don't know. But the shepherds were. They would not shut up over what they saw. They saw an angel, and then they went and saw Jesus, and they realized, we have just seen God. And it says they glorified and praised God. They told everybody. And Mary, Mary treasured all that was happening. In fact, it was possibly her account of all this that gives us such detail as she as she told Luke this who wrote this gospel under the guidance of the Holy Spirit but all that being said she cherished what had happened but you know who I wonder about are all the other people who are not mentioned in this story but who are in this story what about all the people that night who never saw what happened could it be they were busy distracted consumed with, you know, the daily rhythms of life. And God breaks into their life in the most ordinary of ways and they miss it. There's really two kinds of responses in this story. There are those who recognize Jesus for who he was and they chose to respond and, and really those who didn't. 
So where do you fall on this spectrum? It is so easy to be busy and distracted and consumed with Christmas. We were talking about this at preaching team. For some of us, it's been too much Christmas and not enough Advent. Others of us are amazed by what we've heard. This has been a special experience. You love candlelight Christmas Eve services. It's, it's wonderful. You could even say that you're amazed, but you're gonna leave here and you're not gonna be changed. You'll go on with your daily life and this will become another event that happened in your life this year like the eclipse. But really what's the defining moment is when you choose to respond by receiving Jesus into your life. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I just, I don't know that I can believe that. I'm just really struggling. I'd, or an angel hasn't appeared to me. You know, I, I would believe if an angel appeared to me. Well, the reality is most of us don't get angels. We get shepherds. Ordinary people through ordinary means telling us an extraordinary reality. You get a shepherd this morning. I'm an ordinary guy. But this is an extraordinary message and an amazing reality that is a source of ending joy. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to this story. Joy comes in many forms, and it's not always about the great happy times in our life, but joy can be found through pain, and joy can be found in the dailiness of life um, when it's hard and when um, things are not always going perfect. Hi, my name is Beth McCurley, and I have been attending Grace since fall of 1998. So in spring of 1999, um, found myself going through a divorce, very painful divorce, and in the middle of all that, I found myself pregnant with my youngest daughter. I was so filled with shame and hurt and just couldn't believe I was pregnant in the middle of all of this chaos, and how would I ever be a parent to this baby, um, let alone the other two girls? Instead of being the response being one of judgment and um, one of criticism. Um, I felt love and support and one of uh, concern for me, for the health of me and the, everything I was going through. And um, this church responded in such a loving way. So I gave birth to my youngest in January of 2000, and um, we as a family um, had, had difficult times. Um, there was no child support. I was um, struggling financially, um, trying to make ends meet, let alone um, cover birthdays or holidays or Christmas or anything like that. But um, we found traditions that were good for our family, and we leaned into those, and we leaned, leaned into each other, and we leaned into our church community, and they loved and supported us, and um, we found unconventional family um, along the way, which was um, beautiful. God is a God of hope and mercy, and He is a Redeemer, and He redeemed our family. 
The way God gives me joy today is um, through the relationship in my life, um, through Friday night dinners with these three fabulous people that come over every Friday night and we share life together, and through serving in a third grade classroom once a week and the joy of seeing the light bulbs go on in these kids' eyes of the familiarity they have with um, talking to me and telling me about their week. The joy of dates with my 17-year-old daughter every Friday morning, um, just getting to spend time with her one-on-one -on -one and he, understanding her week and what's going on in her life. Jesus just being present. If I could share one thing with you this holiday season, um, it would be that God is in the details. Um, he, he cares about the little pains and the grief and the sorrow and the hard things, but he also cares about the happy things and the good things and just the dailiness of life. And he wants to be present and give each one of us joy. Is the, he is the God who is in the details. He's in the ordinary, what we would call the ordinary rhythms of life. Yet so often that's how he makes himself visible to us. And once again, this God is coming looking for you. It is not coincidence that you find yourself in a Christmas Eve candlelight service. Once again, he's coming to you and asking, will you trust me? Will you believe in me? Will you let me give you everlasting joy? And so we wanna give you some space to think about that and to respond to that. So I'm gonna... Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.